Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. One of the things I like in Notability, too, it's, it's kind of a funny way to do it, but set the, black, the background to dark blue and turn the lines on. And, and then uh, when you write, any color you pick other than like black or the darkest blue will look like you're writing in one of those neon pens. So it's super satisfying. So I can, I'll write a bunch of it in yellow and then I'll realize, okay, I'm going to take a different tack. I'll just change the pen to green. And now I've got like lime green handwriting. And then I realize I found, I've got a bug I want to write. So I, I, you know, I found a bug in, in something I'm doing. I'll write that in red and then I'll switch back and I'll do pale blue. And it, it's really colorful and it's searchable. Welcome back to our episode of Epic Pros. And this episode is Allison Sheridan which you may have heard of from her shows, The Nazil Cast and Chit Chat Across the Pond. We dive into how she uses the iPad Pro, how she struggles to find a use for that iPad mini that she has, and how she's using the Synology, which is something I'm starting to use more and more of. And at some point, I want to do a full deep dive episode on as I found it incredibly useful as an iPad only user. A quick note, I'm starting to do some of these interviews live over on YouTube at youtube.com slash at iPad Pros Podcast. So you can check out the video version there or embedded on the episode page at iPadPros.net. Those interviews will just be the raw, unedited discussion. But if you want to see us live in action on video, that's where you can go. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do that in two places, over at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My sincere appreciation thanks to everyone that supports the podcast. Even a dollar a month on Patreon goes a long, long way and is greatly appreciated. With that, here's my discussion with Allison. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Oh, uh, hi, Tim. It's really nice to catch up with you again. It's been a long time. We met in it, person ages ago, but yeah. haven't seen each other since. Macworld, 2011? <laughs> Maybe. Last time you got a new Mac, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's been a bit. Uh, yeah, I did get a new Mac back then. Uh, the 11 inch 2011 MacBook Air. That's my uh, current Mac that I don't use much these days. <laughs> <laughs> Living the iPad life. Yes. So, um, um, welcome to the podcast. And can you kind of introduce a little bit about what you do, who you are, and all that before we dive into all the notes that I have prepared here? <laughs> I've been doing the NoSilicast Apple podcast since May of 2005. So uh, I believe I am the second longest running uh, Apple podcast behind Adam Christensen, uh, but ahead of Dave Hamilton in the Mac Geek Gab. So I've always got that to hold over him. Uh, (laughs) I've been... I've been creating this solo show, primarily solo show, for uh, 17 and a half years without missing a show every single week. Now, on occasions, I have guest hosts who come in when I'm on vacation, and uh, I do have Bart Bouchatz who comes in and does a security bit segment with me uh, every other week. And um, the show is a lot of fun. I also do one called Chit Chat Across the Pond, which is actually two different podcasts. One is an interview show with kind of light topics, so uh, that's Chit Chat Across the Pond Light. And then the other version of that is now morphed into something called Programming by Stealth, where Bart is teaching us to program in an audio podcast, which sounds really crazy. Yeah. But there's full-on detailed tutorial show notes. So it's a class. You take a class, there's homework a lot of times, and uh, it's been really great. That's been running for, I think, over four years now. I need to get into that because I'm so curious about the world of programming, and especially now with Swift Playgrounds, like, can I maybe make a baby app on the iPad and... 
It's a whole yeah, new to, world. I try to, to be open honest. That. We yeah. To be honest, we haven't gone down any of the uh, Apple, uh, you know, UI kit or any, you know, any of those kind of uh, Swift playgrounds, any of that. Um, we started with HTML and CSS and JavaScript, and we finished that. And now we're starting to move into learning to package apps for uh, mostly for web apps is yeah. what we're working on. Okay. Um, so, uh, but, but his, his class, and this isn't what I'm supposed to be talking about at all, yeah. but it's fascinating. <laughs> his, his class uh, is focused on teaching you the concepts of program programming, not this language. So he explains like what object oriented programming is and how it works and then uses JavaScript as an example, but he's constantly bringing it back to, and in other languages, this might be like this. And, and, uh, but it's, it's definitely not oriented towards being able to write anything for iOS yet. Yeah. And the mindset of being a programmer is one you have to learn. So that's, that's invaluable. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. So other than that, I don't do much on the internet. Okay. (laughs) And your show is, it's all hosted um, at, it's all at podfeet.com. Yeah. P-O-D-F-E-E-T.com. And you you do it live pretty much every week, right? That's So I do a live show on Sunday nights where you can uh, watch me create the show. It's not the real show. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> so you see me stop and start and I chat with the audience and I cut and, and uh, edit as I'm going and, and uh, assemble the show and do a lot of the yeah. recording live. But uh, the chat room is super fun. And it's made to me, it's made the show much more of a community because if you do a solo podcast, you're just sitting there looking at a microphone by yourself and you don't know if anybody laughed at your jokes. You right. don't know whether they, you don't know whether you made a mistake, but when you record in front of a live audience, mm-hmm. they're going, no, Allison, it's not October, 2020. <laughs> you know, yes. they, they help you out with those kind of things. Yeah. And, they chat with themselves, and a lot of the times they could care less that I'm in the corner talking. Uh, they they talk to each other. You've been in there, right? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's a cool it's a cool little community, and I yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, really fun. Yeah, um, Adam uh, is another kind of solo show, and uh, I'd imagine he would. Uh, uh, he doesn't do it live, of course, but uh, he could probably relate with the uh, not needing to get feedback if you do it live like that. Uh, for some, yeah, else. yeah. So, um, what's your current iPad setup these days, and like, what's your relationship to the iPad? Like, what role does it serve uh, for you? Today, I'm using a 12.9 inch iPad Pro, and I'm on my third one of those, mm-hmm. and I use it in the um, Magic Keyboard. And uh, I originally started with the Folio keyboard, and then moved on to the uh, Magic Keyboard, and that was a that was a big weight gain. That was like yes. going to Cancun on a cruise ship and coming back <laughs> and looking at the scale. Um, but at at one point, I uh, my, I think my keyboard broke, and so I had to switch back and use the old Folio. And that's when I realized that I use that trackpad all the time. Yeah. I did not know that I did. I didn't <laughs> think that I did. It was like, how is that easier than poking it with my finger? I mean, mm-hmm. you got to do a few more extra calories to reach it with your finger, but it, it's very precise. You know where your finger's going. But evidently, I use that trackpad constantly. Um, I really like the typing on that, and uh, and it, it really, really works for me. Uh, we're going to get into my iPad Mini, which is basically covered in dust. I don't, I don't ever use it. And one of my theories yeah. is I need a keyboard. I'm not a consumer. I'm a contributor. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can sit there and flip through and read Facebook or Twitter or whatever and not respond. I am going to respond. I'm going to write to people. Go, oh, yeah. well, you know, somebody's wrong on the internet kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. But I like to contribute. And without a keyboard, I just, I uh, typing so on glass. Yeah. No, it's not happening. Yeah, occasionally I'll be stuck with just my Apple Watch as I'm like, um, you know, hold, holding our new infant. Um, and it's like... 
Oh, congratulations. Uh, oh, thank you. And uh, I, it's like responding to tweets and stuff <laughs> with Sharp <laughs> on the Apple Watch. It's You could do it, but it's a, it's a bit... It's a bit, well, um, I do find handful. dictation has gotten so good on the Apple Watch, and I would like someone to explain this to me. My experience is that the best is the Apple Watch. Then it's the iPhone. I don't do a lot of it on the iPad, yeah. but the worst is the Mac. And yeah, and I don't know what that is. I don't is. understand that. It's got this huge processor. It could be doing, I mean, it's doing all on device. How could the watch be the best one? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I'm not sure about like, the mic quality must be not the best in the watch, I wouldn't think. You wouldn't think, and it, it wouldn't might have, have the better, processor, but it's so good. It might have better noise cancellation because it's in rougher environment. I don't know what the... Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, it will be interesting now that I've got iPad OS 16, whether I start doing some dictation. Maybe I should dust off the iPad mini and play with dictation on that because dictation's improvements in iOS 16 are phenomenal. Um, I don't know if you've talked about this on the show before, but now when you hit the dictation button, you can stop and go edit a word and then keep dictating. You don't have to keep going in and out and in and out of dictation. And Mm -hmm. I highly recommend if you try dictation, say a sentence, pause, and watch it fix its own mistakes. Uh, You know, like I typed the word peace and it spelled it uh, P-I-E-C-E, but what I meant was P-E-A-C-E. And I just sat there and waited, and all of a sudden, it changed to the correct word. It's it's at, in the context. It's oh, figuring out oh, it should have been this in the context. Yeah, of the sentence. Yeah. yeah. Or a, a, a classic thing dictation does wrong is it writes t o instead of t o o when context would have told it that it was also. It now fixes that. Yeah. So don't just rush to go fix it the minute it makes a mistake. Just keep going, let it go, and then but then give it a give it a heartbeat, and it'll go. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. I got it. I got yeah. it. Let me fix that for you. And, and so the keyboard they, thing's great because you can type in a word even without saying it. Uh, it's like this is gonna be a tricky word. It's from a foreign language. Let me just type this in and move on and keep yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually give it its own shot at it, and then I go fix it. I, I try. I, I want to see what it can do. Yeah, I remember the days from. <laughs> We had Dragon Dictate on the Mac and uh, Mac Scribe, where you're like sending in an audio clip, or you know, will does it uh, for you. We've come a long ways uh, since then. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, good. it's getting it's coming pretty good. So the mini without a keyboard, you're not finding much what use for. It. Like initially when you bought it, what was in your head for what you'd want to use that for? Or I'm, was it just that? Oh, this is cute. <laughs> I, I, well, no, it's not. It's not that it was cute. I learned a lesson back when the first uh, when the Palm Pilot came out. Mm-hmm. My uh, my friend Eric, who was um, reasonably technical, we were both engineers, worked together, and he said, "Allison, you got to get a Palm Pilot." And I said, "What do I need it for?" He says, "Well, it's going to hold your address book and your your contacts, uh, or sorry, your contacts and your calendar." And uh, I don't think it even did email back then. Yeah. Yeah, but you could take notes in it. And I said, well, I've got my Franklin planner. And I lifted up my 14-pound, 12-inch <laughs> Franklin planner that was like three and a half inches thick that I carried everywhere. Right. And, he said, and he says, no, no, trust me, it's better. And I was like, how is it better? He goes, well, I, I, I can't explain it. Just get one. And I just did it on faith. I went ahead and got one. And of course, he was brilliant. He was right. That was, I never looked back. That was, mm-hmm. that was a huge improvement and solution, obviously in weight, but in ease of use and backups and all those kinds of things. So I, I've started to get to the point where if somebody says, you need this, you need this, you need this, Allison, just shut up and buy it. I eventually buy it. That's why I love my stream deck. Yeah. I, I, for two years, I listened to people tell me I needed one and I couldn't figure out why. Right. But I bought one and now I'm I'm in love with it. Um so I bought the iPad mini because everybody I know loves the iPad yeah. mini. 
it's mostly men, but then again, most podcasters are men, so it might right. be a mix of that. Most of my friends are men, so I'm not not sure I can I can separate that information. Mm-hmm. But they all love it, and I can't for the life of me figure out what they do with it. Do you have an iPad Mini? I don't. I really want one, but I I'm not sure I can like justify it. My I up I upgraded from I had the 12 Mini, now I have the 14 Pro Max, so I now have a huge phone, and I don't. Think I need a oh, small yeah, the, iPad to go with a big phone? Like, yeah, your phone might be just a smidge bigger than my iPad Mini now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and and even when I had the 12 Mini, I was always like, I'm just gonna have the big iPad, and that's fine. Um, I've tried I, to use it for book reading, but I find the Kindle a lot better. The Kindle's lighter. Um, yeah. It the battery lasts 150 years. Um, it, it just and it just it, it's distraction free. I can't do anything else, so I force myself to go to sleep reading. I can do that. But uh, I think people who read a lot of long-form text are better at just holding a device in their hand and, you know, slowly sweeping to read through. But I don't read a lot of long-form text. I get bored really easily. comic books, maybe they would prefer the mini, obviously. Maybe. Than a Kindle. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It seems like my my 12.9-inch iPad Pro, not as portable. Like, you could throw the mini in, like, a little bag and mm-hmm. not even know it's there. That's, I guess, the appeal of it can go everywhere with you. But guess so. But yeah. when you get there, you can't type on it. So yeah. I, I even I bought uh, I bought three different keyboards from uh, through Amazon of varying prices, cheap, really cheap ones to like forty dollar ones, and every one of them was complete and utter poop. I mean, not even. Not even bad. They didn't reach the level of bad. They yeah. they they didn't work at all. Your fingers couldn't fit on them. They they the keys were in weird places. It uh, they were some of them were broken when I got them. They were just awful. So I don't recommend trying any of them. Um, and then I bought a uh, Andy Anako on MacBreak Weekly recommended this little uh, fold up thing that you could wrap around yeah. a, a, a uh, an Apple keyboard. Right. And I bought one of those and I thought, but now I'm carrying a keyboard and an iPad. Yeah, you could carry so a I've keyboard got two and a things. magic trackpad with you and have a whole little setup, but then you're might as well bring but the bigger then, iPad. Well, and what's standing the, the, the iPad up? You can't leave the iPad laying on the table. No, you need like so a you folio, put it in a case. like a folio right. thing that props it up or something. Yeah. Right. So now you do folio holding <laughs> that up. So now you've got seven pounds of gear that yeah. you're replacing your 14 pound of, yeah. of uh, 12.9 inch iPad Pro. What I want um, for the mini one day is for it to support external display stage manager and have iPad work in clamshell mode. So it can be a pure tablet when you want it, or you can sit down at your desk and becomes your, your computer where you're not even interacting with the, the screen at all. It's it's just a like a desktop computer in that mode. That's what I want That's, one day. Okay, okay. Eventually. One of the ways I thought I would try to use the iPad was, uh, with the iPad mini, was um, with Apple Pencil. I do use my Apple Pencil on my, on my iPad Pro, and I'll talk about that in a second. But when they came out with the ability to, um, I don't know, what, what's the name of the feature that lets you write by hand in a text a field and it scribble? Yeah. It's it's horrible. It's hard. It's so bad. It's so hard. And I hope the hover thing makes it better, but it's I need like I need the right where it takes up the whole screen versus the box. Like I Well yeah, yeah, yeah you're it's glass, you're in it's this slippery. little box that you're in this box like let's say you're trying to write a tweet, you're in a little box that's maybe uh, what 
if I'm exaggerating, three-eighths of an inch high, yeah. and you're trying to write a long sentence. Well, when you get to the end and you filled it up, you have to sit there and wait for it to turn that into text, and then you can start writing, and the ability to edit that text isn't good. Mm-hmm. I used to use something called MyScript Stylus as a keyboard, and that was fantastic. It was... Uh, it worked with just as a third-party keyboard yeah. to the iPad, and I used it all the time to write. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. And then they stopped supporting it, and they mm. discontinued it. So um, the box that, is wherever it is on the screen. So if it's an awkward position, it, it kind of can throw the weight balance off. And Yeah, I find yeah. it only really useful for like a spotlight search where I'm scribbling down a single word. But it, yeah. But that's a lot of extra work to go pick it, it up is. and pull it, it off really and write is. one word. It's like, I yeah. could have typed that that fast. Yeah. Um, on the iPad Pro, I've got some really fun uses for the pencil. I, I wrote an article about this, but I called it, um, I use a pen when I need to think. Hmm. And here's what I mean by that is when I was working and I had to do a presentation, if I sat down in front of PowerPoint on my Windows Vista PC, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I threw up in my mouth a little oh, bit. The, the leopard um, days, yes, yeah. Uh, but I, I would go into PowerPoint and I would start to write, and I would find that I was concentrating on getting my indents correct, I, getting the right number of words on a line so it didn't word wrap weird, you know, changing the font size to get it to fit, and and I realized I couldn't think when I was doing that. I was mm. I was formatting from the beginning. Yeah. So I started going to the to the. Uh, 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 recycle bin next to the copier and I grab a bunch of paper people had thrown away and I throw it down on my desk and I would just start writing by hand yeah. and it didn't matter whether I spelled words correctly whether I had the right number of things on the on the on the page I could think I could get out the ideas and then I could do the happy fun part of doing all the formatting right and so I've started doing that with uh, with notability on the iPad. And uh, one of the places I use it is in programming. So mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm sitting there at the keyboard in my code editor, I'm in Visual Studio and I'm typing out code, I have to type everything perfectly. I have to capitalize everything perfectly. Yeah. I have to put the semicolons in where they go. I have to close my brackets. But I can't think how I want this thing to work. And I can write pseudocode by hand mm-hmm. on the iPad, and it's it just it just helps me unlock that part of my brain separate from getting it correctly written. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I I'm someone that in college had like a six foot by four foot whiteboard hanging on the wall there in the dorm go. room, and I, I I do I love just like you know being in the mess and like scribbling stuff down like that. Um, One of the things I like in Notability too, it's it's kind of a funny way to do it, but set the black the background to dark blue mm-hmm. and turn the lines on, and, and then uh, when you write. Any color you pick other than like black or the darkest blue will look like you're writing in one of those neon pens. So it's super satisfying. So I can, I'll write a bunch of it in yellow and then I'll realize, okay, I'm going to take a different tack. I'll just change the pen to green. And now I've got like lime green handwriting. And then I realize I found, I've got a bug I want to write. So I, I, you know, I found a bug in in something I'm doing. I'll write that in red and then I'll switch back and I'll do pale blue. And it's really colorful and it's searchable. Even I, I mean, yeah. my handwriting is isn't horrible, but I mean, I'm not taking any care to make sure everything's legible. Yeah. And I've thought, oh man, when did I do that uh, that array? Well, let me search for the word array, and I can actually find it in the, in my my handwritten text. That's really cool. And are, is that just a a running notebook, or do you do different ones? It's a it, it's a running uh, note yeah. actually for each thing that I'm working on. Okay. So I'm working on a, I wrote a thing called Time Shifter Clock at timeshifterclock.com. 
It might be time dash shifter. I forget. No, yeah. it's timeshifterglock.com. Anyway, it, it lets you shift time to tell somebody what time you want to meet with them in a different time zone. And that was one giant 40 page note. Oh, very cool. And have you taken a look at the Freeform app? Is that something that you think will tempt you away? Uh, it is now two days from two when days, uh, yes. iPadOS uh, 16 came out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do any of the betas, so I haven't even uh, opened it. I'm not sure where to look at it, and I thought it was a whiteboarding for between people thing. Is it not? It is, but you can do it as a solo thing as well. Like the collaboration is optional, but it's like an endless, and you can. It's like an endlessly expanding whiteboard um, that you can have different, um, like. Multiple whiteboards, if you want to, and things like that. Okay, I'll have to check that out. So, I do, yeah. I do believe strongly in having as many separate note-taking applications as possible, so that I can never figure out where anything is. <laughs> yes, it, it's sort of like your your cloud storage. Same mm-hmm. strategy. Yeah. You want to have Dropbox and Google Drive and, and OneDrive and, and iCloud Drive. You got to have them all so that you can't yep. figure out where anything is. Yeah, uh, yeah. I use Agenda. I use Ulysses. Like I've drafts. Like I've got so many different text uh, yep. tools and. I, yeah. I tried to document in a blog post why I have each one of these, and it's it's a hilarious document because, of course, there's no logic to that. No, there, there's really not, and uh, it's yeah, it gets confusing at times. No, I make it sound like I'm super productive on my iPad Pro, and it's all about the productivity. But probably the thing I use more than anything is Downcast to play video podcasts. So my morning news yeah. is Daily Tech News Show. And that's what I watch while I'm brushing my teeth and doing my hair and that sort of thing. And uh, I love it for that. It's just a, a great tool for it. I use it to watch screencasts online, tutorials. Um, pretty much that's it. And then in the afternoons, I eat popcorn every yeah. single day. Sure. Popcorn a day keeps yeah. the doctor away, I guess. And uh, and in that, I watch Hulu. I watch all my, my chick TV uh, yeah. shows like uh, The Good Doctor and uh, – uh, some other Hulu type shows, and I sit there and watch TV with it. So it, it's probably eighty percent of its usage is actually as content consumption. Yeah, and the iPad, like, it's a great consumption device. Like, you can do great work on it, but I am like the lowest of the tier as far as being able to say what's on TV and like taking over and watching the TV. So the iPad, <laughs> uh, unless the house oh, yeah. is more empty than it normally is, uh, is kind of where I watch you know, the latest Star Wars TV show or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I live in a house with someone who owns the remote control too. And, uh, it's, it's either news or TV shows where people are screaming. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. He's watching Dahmer right now. So (laughs) I'm over here watching Doogie Howser from 1989, you know? Yeah. And there is no better device than iPad for old four by three shows. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> let me ask you, do you uh, do you ever think maybe you would have been fine with an 11-inch iPad Pro? I think about that a lot. I don't know, but now I can't go back. Uh, it's probably the same answer. Like, maybe, but now I can't go back. Like, it's... it's... And also, the X- I have the XDR M1, so, like, the screen quality, it's so nice, with especially, like, with TV shows and stuff, and the... I'm doing more photo editing and it's, it's great having the reference mode now. So like, I don't know. It's got a lot of niceties that the 11 inch just doesn't have anymore. Yeah. I'd never seen them side by side. I bet I couldn't tell. And all, <laughs> yeah, also like the keyboard's smaller. I think like that would eventually uh-huh. just annoy me. I don't know. But now are you right. Jones- I could probably get by an 11 inch. Are you jonesing for that uh, new uh, keyboard on the low end iPad? 
I'm not a kickstand. <laughs> well, that's what I'm trying to. I, I use mine in my lap so often. Yeah. How does that kickstand work in your lap? Carefully. It, <laughs> well, and maybe annoyingly, after a while, it's a it's a straight line. I live in California, so I'm, yeah. I'm in shorts almost every day of the year, and that would be sitting on my skin, right? That yeah. that and the, that line instead the of a flat plane. Hinge and the Magic Keyboard is so strong. I can have the iPad like held above my head watching a TV show, and it's great, and it won't fall on me. You can't do that with that one. Um, like hmm. that, and yeah, I, I, it has some nice things about it, but I, I think I like the Magic Keyboard design better. Yeah, even though it weighs eleven pounds. Well, apparently the folio weighs just about the same. Does it really? <laughs> yeah, because they have on the back plating of it, they have to make it like thick enough to like be even when it's fully closed up. I guess. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And I, yeah, I also really love charging my iPad on either side with the the keyboard. That's super nice. I heard you mention on that on last week's show, and I literally forget that you can charge it into the through the keyboard. Yeah, and I like it because it kind of disappears behind the iPad a bit. Um, yeah. The other thing I really like about the Magic Keyboard is it brings the iPad screen closer to you. So if you're typing, mm-hmm. you can just like reach up and hit bottom of the screen stuff. Um, versus right, the right. folio where it's kind of a bit further away from you. Um, I, I, I want that function row key, though. I do, too. <laughs> I, I, th- I, yeah. I discovered one thing. that The main reason I want a function row key or row of keys is not for any of the functions. I want an escape key. Mm. But I just discovered today, it's probably been there forever. You probably knew this. Command period yeah. is escape. That is escape. I didn't yep. know that until today. <laughs> I, I just yeah. I, it was one of those things where you accidentally hold the command key down while you're thinking and it pops up the mm-hmm. the strokes and I looked and it says it says escape and I, man I've been escaping all day like when I go into Twitter I'm in Tweetbot if I click on an image I want it to go away I hate letting go of the keyboard and then having to reach up and close yeah. it so now I just hit command dot boom gone yeah no, life changing and. <laughs> I would like a volume key. That's something I would probably use a fair bit. But yeah, off, I have the AirPods Max on and off, and I'll just reach up, and that's fine. Like it depends what I'm doing. Okay. Um, so something I must uh, commend you on is your inclusion of hash photos in the list of apps that you use. Um, it's been such a game changer in my own life recently. Uh, well, you've got a better story than I do, but let me tell them first what yeah, I yeah, use it for. So Hash Photos is interesting. If you haven't heard of it before, it works on your real photos library. So you're not making copies of the photos. It's not some proprietary thing. You're actually looking at your real photos library. So changes you make to those photos, with some exceptions, are all carried over to your real photos library. There's some notes and things like that you can add. And I turned that phone off before we started, I'll have okay. you know. But it did no, it just didn't. I will turn that <laughs> off again. Uh, so much for home automation, right? Right. Um, the uh, <laughs> HomeKit's been a real trial this week, let me tell you. Okay, it's still going. Uh, let's see. Let me turn that off. I apologize. Maybe that's it. No? No, that's the nightlight on the phone switch. You know what? I think it's broken. I, we've been having a lot of trouble with HomeKit this week. Things yeah. are disappearing and reappearing, so we're just going to have to play that out. Yeah, um, anyway, kit like uh, outlet to turn off. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. And my automation, tur- the one that turned on the lights behind me and turned the light up on above me yeah. and and put me into uh, Wi-Fi only. All of those things worked, but yeah. that switch did not. We actually have some automations that run that we don't know how they're running because they've disappeared from HomeKit. But they're, they're, when I walk into this room, my lights come on. We don't know how that's happening because the home, the automation's gone. <laughs> Can't find so it. So, 
Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so hash photos, the thing I use it for is uh, my husband Steve is scanning in our old uh, photo albums. Yeah. And uh, I like to have my photos in chronological order in my photos library. But if he scans something in in 2022, this picture of my parents from 1976 is going to look like it was in 2022. Mm -hmm. So in hash photos, you can select a bunch of photos and say, these were all 1976. Yeah. And a lot of these dates, I'm kind of just arbitrarily putting them in so they stay in an order that makes sense. Like, I don't know that it was August 7th, but I know it was before my father's birthday, which was on the 17th. So I'll just give it an arbitrary date, but that allows me to do them sequentially. Um, The other thing it does is it lets you easily geotag a whole bunch of photos. So I know where my parents kept their boat, so I can select a bunch of photos and click geotag and Mm -hmm. tell it, uh, this is the address, this is where it was. And as you start uh, using things like that, uh, let's say I scan in a bunch of stuff that was at their old house, I put that address in, and then the next thing that comes up is the boat. When I go to geotag, it'll have the location of the boat will be in a list there, so you just tap it. Oh, that's super nice. You don't have to search for the same location over and over again. Right, right. So it'll be a scrolling list, you know, as you don't use something, it'll get farther down on the list. But that's what I was using it for. But when I mentioned that, you went, oh my gosh, I forgot about hash photos. What did you yeah. find out? So I've been undergoing a project with the Synology that we'll be talking about later, uh, backing up my iCloud photo library for the very first time to anything. Um, oh. all I've just been living in iCloud and I've been thinking all is good. Oh, yeah. So your iPad has it uh, optimized images only. So you've only got one backup. On the cloud, yes. yes. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Living on the edge, Tim. I know. I know. So I'm working to change that. Um, I have had it at Turok Times had like the full library downloading, but sometimes I have to get rid of that because storage constraints. Um, I had the one terabyte, but, you know, sometimes you make room. But anyways, um, so... I've been trying to offload these to the Synology month by month in a folder structure. So I got the folder structure, and I'm starting to do this, and I'm getting errors uploading to the Synology. And then hmm. I, so I then go directly to the Files app and just save them from the Photos app to the Files app. And I'm seeing a bunch of photos with a .null extension, N-U-L-L. That's scary. Ooh, I hate um, when that happens. Yeah, and then I find some videos that just don't load in the Photos app on iPhone or iPad at all. And uh, no recourse. So I go to iCloud.com and I could download that file, which comes back as null as well. So Ooh. not great. And this is uh, like, it feels like a good five to, it feels like 5%, uh, sometimes more depending. Oh, wow. Of your files are corrupted on yeah. iCloud? And it, it feels like the oh. older ones especially uh, had worse situations of this. And the front-facing camera of, like, old iPhones especially seemed hmm. to be more susceptible to this. Um, but there were some really good videos. Like, uh, when I lived in Hawaii, there was some sea turtles on the beach. And that was the only time I've ever seen that in person where I wandered up and there were some sea turtles. that had a video and hmm. that was corrupted. So, um and I was able to fix this just by changing the file extension to what it should have been. Are you serious? Yeah, that's all. You just like change it to .mov or M4, yeah, and that fixes MP4 it. or whatever, such, and it fixes it? Yeah, it fixes it. But it's such, <laughs> it's such a a big time constraint trying to like tedious. go through, and it's very tedious, and there's not really a good way to automate this on iPad, at least. And um, then Hash Photos comes, and I try their method, and... Um, so also the method of just getting month by month in Apple photos, you search for the month January 2013 
and they'll pull them up and you have to select manually, drag your finger down to the bottom to get all of them. Right, right. Dash photos, you just pull up the month, there's a little checkbox, gets all of them for And the by month. pull up the month, what he's saying is if you if you swipe in from the right-hand side, you can see year by year, and then if you open up the years, you can see all the months of when those photos were taken. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's great. And then at the top, next to like the month, there's a little checkbox you can hit. And just selects all the photos from the month without you manually going through. Oh, I didn't actually know it could do that. Okay, so cool. That's another awesome thing for just selecting all from a month. And then the share sheet there, um, I'm not having the errors. Whatever Hash Photos is doing, it's fixing the null extensions and making all of my photos and videos. Oh, uh, happy. wow. And I, I so selected that's just the, luck. <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> like, going on. We don't on, know how that's happening. maximum wow. quality for the exports. I don't know what Hash Photos is doing to do this, but it's something that is transforming. Like I'm, I'm pretty much all caught. I'm like halfway through 2022 now. Uh, this is something so it's that sped way up. Yeah, I was like in 2013 when I was trying to do this, and it was taking and hating every minute of it. Hating every minute. It was taking like yeah. uh, you know um, a couple months would take a couple hours to like try to sort through this <sighs> stuff. It's uh, gruesome. So you yeah. still you exporting from Hash Photos to the Files app? Uh, at first I did that, but then I realized right. this is actually working. And now I'm directly uploading to the Synology Drive app. Um, there's also okay. a Synology Photos app, but I'm just going through the Drive app. Um, that's for now. Yeah, yeah. That seems to be a seem like I was getting a couple snafus going in the photos for whatever reason. But the Drive app and they've been uploading. changing that app recently. That's been evolving. Yeah. So it might be a little early to use. Yeah, but that's it's, really interesting. But I love the iOS apps on Synology. Like it's great. Like the um, Drive app, for instance, has a little Files app extension, so I can even just like in the Files app interact with my Synology there, and everything uploads right away. But just in the share sheet using Drive, it uploads right away to the Synology, and I can be doing this remotely when I'm out and about, which is awesome. Um, it feels like Dropbox. So you're too. really going to regret telling me about this because I'm going to be really asking you a lot of questions because I've tried <laughs> to play with Synology Drive and every time I do, I end up running away screaming that there's some, huh. on, on my Mac in particular, if I do Synology Drive, it wants to mirror everything to my desktop. Oh. And I don't want my 18 terabytes no. worth of data on my, <laughs> on my Synology on my desktop. And I haven't figured out like a selective sync or anything like that. Huh. But I also haven't ever gotten the Synology Drive app to work in on the iPad. I open it up and there's nothing in it. Interesting. I, and yet yeah, I it knows use... my Synology Drive. It knows what Synology I'm talking to, yeah. but it just sits there going, yeah, what do you want to do? So, huh. well, I'm going to yeah, look at my I've Drive. All i is the quick connect thing as far as making them talk. Okay. Um, so I don't know if there's some like configurations as far as all that, but yeah, it works straight away for me. Um, okay, when we're done recording, we're going to fix this for me because I really want to play with this. Okay, it, good. The iOS apps are they're just so good. Um, I haven't do- dove into the Photos app yet, but it seems like kind of an Apple Photos replacement if you want to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you had the Drive app. It's it's great having that as a share sheet, and then in the Files app, and yeah, it seems to work r- really well. But yeah, hash photos is amazing, and I would encourage people if they haven't backed up backed up their photos. Like some people live, <laughs> a lot of people I'm sure live on the edge, like just on iCloud Photo Library, and back them up. So you know, it's a good idea. Just just for completeness, I have the full size images on my uh, MacBook Pro. I have uh, iCloud Photo Library, so it's got the optimized images on all my other devices. I've also got it 
um, a uh, backup running to my uh, local SSD uh, every day, and then I've got Backblaze backing it up to the cloud. And when I do a nuke and pave, when I start over, the last thing I do is I make a, an encrypted disk image of my entire drive and put it on my Synology. There you go. There you so I should have enough it copies be, of it, it now. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Maybe I need another one. Yeah, the most painful data loss experience I ever had was at some moment, like in the college years or right after college, I realized my iTunes library with my recordings from all my music stuff that I had performed got oh, lost somewhere on the, the transition. Irreplaceable. Irreplaceable oh, no. stuff. Yeah, that was, it's heartbreaking because there's a lot of composition. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, not to not to talk too much about hash photos, but uh, one of the things I do like about hash photos, and I kind of lose my nerve from time to time, but when I get my nerve up to do it, it really works out well, is it has the ability to compare photos. So you can say, okay, I took these four photos of these 12 people smiling at the camera at this family reunion, and you're trying to find the one where nobody's eyes are closed, nobody looks stupid, and so on. Apple photos, you, you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, except now you want to see the first one and the third one, but you can't. You have to look at first, second, third, and you have yeah. to go back and forth. And you zoom in on one, but when you go back to the other one, it zooms back out. Well, in hash photos, it, you can bring up uh, a photo, and you, it gets declared as like, this is the one you're going to keep, and the next one is a candidate. And you look at the candidate, and you zoom in with your fingers, and they're both zoomed in. So you can zoom and pan around and find out that Aunt Bertha had her eyes closed in photo one, in the first photo, but not in the second one. It so now you make this – It mirrors the zoom. That's cool. Right. And then, so you take, now you say, okay, photo number two is the primary one. And photo number one, you can either discard or just ignore it for the time being. And you can flip through each one of them and decide which one you like and then get rid of the rest. That's and it'll cool. also auto detect that you've got photos that look the same. Yeah. So it, they can just be similar too yeah. for it to go, well, you know, these were like these four photos of the dog. They're not that different. You don't need all four of them <laughs> That's or really 12. Smart. Yeah. Because what kind yeah. of spurred this on is my two terabyte plan in iCloud. I'm constantly having clear stuff out and I was putting stuff on like a portable external hard drive and like did not have a good solution to get above two terabytes. So got the Synology and um, I'm finally having a good way to archive all the podcasts and the photos are getting backed up and. Um, yeah, I, I use the Synology to archive podcasts too, even though there's absolutely no reason to do that because they're yeah. also in the internet. Right. And, I but just, I like I to keep like all of the content. I want the yeah, yeah. Once in a while, I'll go back and pull out one recording. And I, I actually did it recently to uh, replay a fascinating chit chat with uh, Dr. Marianne Gary, who is a professor of, of uh, memory. And she yeah. does all kinds of twisted things to grad students in their memory. She can make people tell stories of things that never happened to them. It's a wonderful interview, but it was embedded in my regular show. It wasn't, it was before I split off chit chat as a standalone show. Mm -hmm. And I just recently went back and got it and just reproduced it because I wanted to be able to point just to that because yeah. people ask about it all the time. And so it's fun to be able to see just that one. Yeah. And I discovered, um, so I started out with Pippa as my podcast provider and then he got purchased by ACAST. And at some point, their servers decide to re-encode the shows. So my chapter markers are only available for Patreon people Aww. because ACAST now decides, uh, let's re-encode stuff. Um, they decide for you yeah. what... Uh, I like to control my own stuff. So the archives are good. So um, I can go back and um, have those originals with the chapter markers. I just remembered something I forgot to mention when we were talking about Apple Pencil. Um, I use it for crafts. 
And it's yeah. it's a couple of real specific things. I cross-stitch, and one of the things that comes up in cross-stitching is you often are doing some lettering. Like maybe it's my own my little signature down at the bottom, or it's somebody's name on a, a birth thing that you're cross-stitching. And in Notability, you can bring up a, a grid, and I can draw out the letters to make sure I can figure out how big they're going to be and whether they're going to fit into the area that I have to cross-stitch. Yeah. So, uh, you know, somebody's name is really long. You're going to need to put it on two lines, and you can you can copy letters. So, like, making the E is going to be funky, and you're practicing different uh, different lettering because mm-hmm. there's, there's an infinite number of fonts, basically, yeah. if you will, uh, on how to write the letters. So, I really like using it for that, and I also use it for... Um, Right now, I'm doing some uh, was doing some really complicated uh, crocheting things, mm-hmm. and uh, I took a picture of the pattern, and then now I've got it. In note- I took a picture in Notability, yeah. you know, using the continuity camera. I just stuck it right in there, and then I was able to. I can. I'm repeating a bunch of steps, so I can go through with my my Apple Pencil and make little tick marks. Like, did you actually do this four times? Yeah, I've done it four times. Now let me do the next one, and then when I get to the end, I just hit the eraser, erase them all, and I'm going to repeat the whole process. Process. A normal cross stitch thing is getting all bent and folded up in the cross stitch bag and or crocheting bag, I should say, and it, and you've got pencil marks all over, and then you make a mistake and you got to erase, or you're using pen worse. And so I do all of that inside Notability, and it's a very weird use case, but it really works for me. So, do you end up you you don't end up printing this out the paper as like the final output? You're actually working within and when you're cross stitching, like the iPad's behind the stitching, or like what's the reference? point and how's that all just looking at it just looking i'm at just it. looking at on that yeah okay it's yeah. not like tracing like no okay gotcha no so cross-stitching is it's paint by number yeah for, to, to, to tell you the truth so it's little squares yeah so you draw out the little squares and then when you look at the threads it's a mesh and so you're following the same little squares you can it, it looks the same um i've also used it for uh some of the knitting patterns get really complicated and they're the the text is word wrapped into a very narrow column and it's got all this, you know, jargon in it. And it's telling you to do this one seven times, do that one four times, then repeat that sequence of seven and four. And I write the whole thing out into nice separate lines that I can see on my, uh, in my, on my iPad. And then I have that and I can use it with notability. I can, I, sometimes I refer back to my phone if I don't have my iPad with me. The iPad's mm-hmm. better because it's bigger. But if it's something small, like I'm just going to make a tick mark, I'll do it on my phone. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. So the Synology, you're on to yes. your second one here. You're um, giving up on the Drobo. I, I have two Drobo Pros that have been in storage for a while. I think I sold one a while ago, but uh, the days of Drobo yeah, if anybody, are at an end. If anybody wants to buy a network-attached storage uh, or even take it for parts uh, from a company that will give you no support and is in Chapter 11, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking maybe fact, the drives that, that are worth gear, something, and that's that it. That gear is not cheap, the Drobos. Yeah, yeah, it was very expensive. Yeah, I, I started with a um, uh, a Drobo FS, which is known in, in tech lore as the slowest piece of equipment ever made in the history <laughs> of time. And uh, uh, and then I worked up to a, a Drobo 5N, and then Drobo actually gave me a 5N2 to test. And so when I got the 5N2, I started backing up the 5N2 to the 5N. Yeah. Then I got then I got my first Synology a couple of years ago, and I started backing up the Synology to the Drobo. Mm-hmm. And now, when uh, Ventura was announced, a rare piece of information came from Drobo where they said, "Yeah, we don't know whether Drobo <laughs> dashboard's going to work, and we're not even going to look." We are we aren't promising anything yet. Yeah. Now I heard from John F. Braun that it actually does still work, right. 
but this is not where you really want to store your precious data, no. right? And now, this is a backup. Proprietarily formatted in a way that you can't exactly get at it unless you have software for it. Yeah, no, it isn't my primary one. And and I ended up with a really goofy setup because there's no way to automatically back up from a Synology to a Drobo. And I know people are going to say, oh, R-Sync can do it. But yeah, yeah. good luck. Uh, you go have fun. Try doing <laughs> that. I I did. I tried all the different yeah. methods. Uh, so what I ended up doing was uh, they're both on my network and I have a Mac Mini, an M1 Mac Mini, and it runs Carbon Copy Cloner to say, take all the stuff here and move it over there. Take it from here, move it over there. So, uh, you know, the, the Synology in and of itself has a lot of fault tolerance because I've got uh, mirrored RAID array drives. You know, I can lose an entire drive and everything would be fine. But that isn't really a backup, right? I mean, right. want a little bit more more security than that. Now, it's with like the way I have... It's like yeah, better it's, than it's, just it's, a single drive. But if the house goes or if both drives fail within the, the week, you know... Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not real worried about both drives failing, but you're right, a fire, a flood, a, a, an earthquake where I live, yeah. um, there's a, a theft. I mean, right. be unlikely somebody would know to steal those, I would think. I mean, and yeah. a lot of work because they're real heavy, you yeah. know. <laughs> that wouldn't be a lightweight. They'd take the Mac Mini first, yes. I think, and, and, yeah. and skip that. Um, but uh, with Drobo going, clearly going completely under at this point, I thought it was time to go Synology. So I had a, uh, oh, I'm going to get the model numbers mixed up. I think I wrote them in my notes because I can never keep it straight. It's a, it's a 2019 model with, that takes two drive bays, or it can take two sets of drive bays for a total of 10 drives if you wanted. I just have five. Okay. And then I've just got the 2022, which um, I, I always get to, it's mixed up. It's either a 22... No, it's a 1522 plus. Okay. That's what it is. So the 22 tells you it's 2022 and the yep. 15 tells you it could be three sets of drive bays. Okay. Gotcha. And the plus says, you're not really a rack mount person, but you're not really a home user. You're somewhere in between. You I think that's what the plus means. apps and it's a little bit more uh, powerful. Is that? No, no I don't think it's that. about the number of apps. I don't know. I heard no. Dave Hamilton try to, to explain it and he knows more about Synology than anybody I know and he couldn't explain it. So yeah. I came up with my own definition. <laughs> Um, so that's been, that's been super fun. What I've done in the last, uh, few days, just since I talked to you, uh, Synology has a, uh, a tool called migration assistant oh. and, uh, it lets you say, take, the, uh, the old Synology and just give me everything onto the new Synology and it moves everything. It moves, uh, you have to install the operating system yeah. first in one user account and then it sucks everything over. It does all of the settings and the logins and, and turns on SMB and all the services and everything by itself. So I, I keep thinking it's made a dumb, I, it, oh, it must have done this wrong. And it so far, yeah. it is nearly invisible to me that this is, that I've uh, switched Synologies. And are, is the goal to mirror these two to have one be a backup? Yeah, and this is where I'm a little paralyzed still. Uh, Stephen Getz is a buddy of mine up in, in Canada whom I've never met, but I talk to three or four times a day. And uh, he he has a Synology and he studies a lot more than I do. I don't like to like read and yeah. you know manuals and all that yeah, kind of thing. Like so play, I just play with stuff. Exactly. So I make him do it, and then he tells me what to do. When I yeah. send him a screen, and I go, which one do I pick? And he says, <laughs> B. Okay, <laughs> let me go do that. Luckily, he hasn't steered me too much wrong yet. But uh, anyway, what what I envision, if I can have my, my cake and eat it too, is that the, the old Synology is going to go to my buddy Ron's house. Mm -hmm. Now, Ron only lives a mile and a half away, so the earthquake's probably taking us both yeah. out. Um, but at least fire, flood, theft – 
I would have my data in two places. And you can use a hyper backup to backup from one Synology to another Synology. And uh, that creates an encrypted backup. So since I'm putting it in my buddy Ron's mm-hmm. house, who I would trust with my children's lives, yes. still doesn't hurt to have it encrypted. Because sure. yep. one of the main reasons we have the Synology is for data we don't want anywhere else, like our financial data, our medical data, all of our bills. We just don't want that out on, in the cloud. Yeah, makes sense. Um, but I haven't got the nerve to turn that on yet, because the minute I do it, I am now erasing my original source data. Mm, So I need to go through and just get a level of confidence that everything is there. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a hard trigger to pull. But until I do that, I don't have a backup of it. (laughs) Well, I sort of do, right? Right, yeah. Have you ever worked with Synology uh, uh, Hyper Backup or any of that? No. Um, And the Synology, it's brand new to me. It's like a couple months old in my life here. I have a DS220 Plus, so it's two dry bays. I have two eight terabytes in there, and then I maxed out. Oh, cool. The RAM, which was super easy to do. Um, I figured I'd do that right at the beginning. It was like 10 bucks for the RAM chip to put put the... I didn't even look at RAM. Yeah, huh. you, you'd probably pop hmm. a RAM chip in there to upgrade that. Uh, <laughs> and, Interesting. Yeah. and Steven didn't tell me to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the thing that blew me away at first was re- the realization that this is a little server computer that I now... Have it is. <laughs> It is. I think people buy it because they think I need some storage. Yeah, exactly. But but you can buy a, a JBOD, a, just a bunch of disks, for a lot less money yes. than buying a Synology. You're yeah. really buying the Synology because it is a computer and it can do so many things. Yeah. We we run a Plex server on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also run the Plex server on the M1 Mac Mini, and that's actually faster, so it's getting less use okay. for that. But yeah. at least it gives the M1 Mac Mini some reason for living other than backing up one right. NAS to another. Um, uh, but I run Homebridge on it. So with Homebridge, I can make my non-Homebridge, uh, my non-HomeKit compliant devices, HomeKit compliant. So I've got a couple of things working perfectly. And as I mentioned earlier, a lot of stuff's not working. I can't get Ring working on that to save my soul. And I know the reason is because I don't have the right version of Node.js running, but I don't want to install Node.js. Yeah. And I'm, I'm stuck in a world of hurt on that. But, uh, it's, it's, a lot of fun, geeky things you can do with it. Yeah. And you can run your own, uh, essentially, Google Docs. Yeah, uh, it's got it's, just, yeah, it's, it's got like office. really pretty. Yeah, I've, I haven't convinced Steve to use that because he's already driven nuts by the number of places that I keep our data. <laughs> but I think it would be really fun to use it instead of – we tend to use Excel to write to uh, – the. It, that's where I keep our financial calculations mm-hmm. and stuff. And – it works. Yeah. This is fast enough that you can run Excel over the network and open the files up and edit, and it's not any kind of a problem. Yeah, and they even have Apple Watch apps for their uh, Synology audio. So you could be listening to music or whatever through uh, their audio app. And the DS Note app also runs an Apple Watch. So they have like a note-taking app that has an iPhone app and also an Apple Watch app. I've not played around with those too much yet. They're installed, but it's kind of cool how how into iOS Synology really is. Wow, I didn't know anything about that. I'm going to need to get you on Chit Chat to teach me all this stuff. Yeah, I'll play around with it more. And yeah, <laughs> that'd be a fun chat. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be fun. And then, do you know, is there a way to have some of the apps on like the desktop of Synology when you boot it up? Is that possible? You mean like a shortcut on the desktop? Yeah. Just saw that the other day that you can. Okay. I think. I remember seeing it when I was messing around. Uh, so do you know what a Docker container is? Yeah, I do. Yep. So for the audience, uh, 
I'm going to give you an imprecise definition, but the way I like to think about it, think about a Docker container as being almost like a virtual machine. So you can set up a Docker container and and install Plex into it. And this is button pushing. When I say set up a Docker container, you press Docker, you go new container, you write impact a Plex and you press a button and now you've got a Plex server. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about that is that's a wholly contained thing. So you can experiment around in that. And if you bork it all up, you just hit delete on the Docker container and it's gone, or you can upgrade it by itself. So you're not, you're not writing, applications and and setups and configuration into your operating system, it's all sitting in these nice little containers. And and so it makes a nice place to experiment. Uh, So running Homebridge, I also run Hoobs, which is a different kind of way to talk to Homebridge. Um, And I run that and I play with that. And I I don't have them running at the same time. That's not one (laughs) of the reasons that these everything's gone to heck in a handbasket here. But uh, the... uh, Docker containers are a real fun way to do that. And I know when I was in that playing with Homebridge, one of my options was make a desktop shortcut for it. So okay. I think maybe you can. Because yeah. I'd love to have – the download station is just mind-boggling to me. From from an iPad user's perspective, I can have download station and just search for stuff. What's download station? Um, <laughs> it's one of Synology's first-party apps. And you can base it basically will search the web uh like torrent torrents um for for stuff you already own on blu-ray and download them uh oh. directly on the synology without you do, yeah doing anything else you could enter oh, like a url uh so i could paste in a url and it'll download a file from that url so um that's been a pretty cool thing because an ipad Torrents are not allowed in the App Store, so this is a way to mm-hmm. to download stuff. That um, uh, you know, it's hard to rip DVDs and Blu-rays on an iPad. You know, <laughs> so that's oh, interesting. Cool. Um, so that'd be nice. We actually buy Blu-rays, the physical media, and Steve rips them and we put them into our Plex library. But we still use the DVDs because he likes the audio better on them. Yeah, I miss the audio commentaries and all that stuff that were like mm. just so well done and are much less there on the digital format. Okay. Um, and then I also installed the Windows 10 virtual machine on my Synology. Which, I did too. What's the name of that uh, virtual machine? I think it's just Virtual it's, Machine Manager or something like that. Oh, I didn't use... I, I played around with Virtual Machine Manager, but I, I found UTM. Okay. That's the... That's the uh, I'm mixing metaphors. I think I'm switching up where I, I did a UTM virtual machine on my Mac because it runs uh, the the um, non x86 version of okay. the uh, the the ARM version of Windows. Yeah, but I think I did use Virtual Machine Manager. It was slow though, man. It that was a bit slow. My only reason is to have iTunes running on the Synology, so I can upload, so I can download stuff and download Manager throw it into iTunes on that for iTunes match to beam it up to <laughs> Apple music. Um, <laughs> okay. We, we might be skirting a little bit of the legality there in the old, uh, ownership of stuff. That's true. There. That's true. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm on the other side of that line. Yeah. I'm I will, I will say, um, I, da- I, per- like a lot of this is for, um, a lot of this is for the, um, limited editions, limited edition soundtracks that I purchase on disc that are not available elsewhere. Um, like there will be these printings of 2000 copies and I have the disc, but I'll download it as well because it's a pain in the butt to try to rip that disc I have. And I will not judge you yeah. for that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, 
Um, I'm also an Apple Music paying subscriber, so um, I pay okay. monthly or yearly, I guess, for that uh, that one as well. There you go. Um, yeah, it, it, iTunes Match is such a weird thing that like I'm glad it's still around because it, it feels like at any moment Apple could just like wreak havoc on that. It seems too good to be true, it's right? Great, yeah. Um, what other no, kind, tr- kind of apps do you have running on your Synology? What, do you, what else do you use it for? Well, I've tried a couple of things. Like I tried to build a, uh, make a Git server. So for the non-programmers in the bunch here, um, Git is a version control system that allows you to keep not just copies of your code, but tracks all of the changes since the beginning of time of your code onto another machine. So it's, it's a real, um, it's it's a a way of doing it where there is no single truth source. So mm-hmm. it's not like this is the server and everything else is is subservient to that server copy. All copies are equivalent. All copies are truth. Yeah. And so one of the ideas is you can have uh, you can use your Mac as as a Git a Git repo, and then you can clone that over to I could clone it over to my Mac Mini and keep the two in sync, and that would work great. But I could also do it on my Synology. For the life of me, I've never gotten that one to work. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff I can't get to work. Yeah, the look, there's that- there's no JS version sixteen. I can't get the, it. Says it's installed, and I can't get that. Maybe I need uninstalled Node.js fourteen. Maybe that's why that thing's. Not <laughs> Not working. Sorry, just yeah, the one that. thing I'm trying to get to work is the web dev server. Have you played around with that at all? No, I'm a little nervous about web dev. Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, just just opening yourself up to well, CalDev is a little scarier. Like I don't know. Mm. I don't want to open up too much to the internet. I, I yeah. may just be being silly. Oh, I did. Um, for a while, I have uh, I have Eufy cams inside my house because I got rid of all the internal Wise cams yeah. after those little poop heads knew there was a security flaw and didn't tell us about yes. it for two years. Uh, I keep I kept the outdoor ones, but they're not allowed inside my house anymore. So instead, I went with Eufy, who's actually owned by a Chinese company. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Eufy also Anchor. Yeah, Eufy yeah. is Anchor. I think it's Chinese. Yeah, most if you likely. keep following if you keep following the thread, I oh, think yeah. it's Chinese owned. Is somebody? <laughs> Send hate mail to Tim if I'm wrong. Yes. Um, but one of the things I did was I set up my my Synology to be where I could uh, store all li- all my video footage from my Eufy cams. Oh, nice. And that was really cool yeah. because I wasn't having to pay any kind of a source for the um, uh, to store the video for me online. I had it stored in my own house. But then everybody kept saying, "Oh, Allison, but the Eufy cams could do uh, iCloud. Uh, what is it called? A uh, home so iCloud secure, secure video." HomeKit Secure Video, yeah. right. And so I turned that on, which was kind of a shame because it only supports 720p and I've got 1080p cameras, mm-hmm. but now it's all in HomeKit and that's a beautiful thing. And so I, I stopped using that. Yeah. But that's kind of a, a cool thing. They do have something called um, Surveillance Station that can work with some of the stuff. And, and I, this, I'm looking at everything I've installed. So much I haven't used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reason I want WebDAV working is because um, Dev and Think uh, to Go has WebDAV as an option for storage. And hmm. I've stopped using... De- I've stopped adding to my Devon thing because it's just growing way too large for me to keep storing in iCloud. And my hope is one day moving that all over to the Synology and be able to access that remotely um, through WebDAV. Ah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So that, that's, that's one thing I'm trying to get solved. Um, 
Are there part of the problem is that there's like a million packages you can install for the Synology. Uh, when you go into the Synology package manager package center, you find all of these things you can install, but yes. you, it's those aren't the only things you can install. You can install third party, so you can sideload it, and there are repos of legitimate ish. Yeah, you know more. You know, yeah, what is, fully, yeah, what is fairly not vetted by them, but they right. still work. Yeah, what's um, that scene like? What kind of stuff that. Am I not seeing this first party area that is out there? That is. Oh, I'm I'm trying to remember. I looked at uh, I looked at a lot of them when I first started playing with it, and I haven't looked at anything recently. Um, but uh, it's oh, I just sorry, just got distracted. Did you know Tailscale is in uh, Package Center? I did not. That's sort of a VPN, but more. Okay. Uh, does a lot of really cool things. Dave Hamilton's been talking a lot about it. Yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna install this while we're talking. <laughs> So with like VPNs, you can set up a VPN on Synology and your base it's pretending like you're on your home network when you do that. Is yeah, that so right? it allows yeah. you to tunnel in and then be on your home network, I think. But I haven't yeah. done that. Okay. Um I think if you do I want to say that's open VPN, mm-hmm. which is a lot of faffing about. And I'm kind of a fan of less faffing because everything's fiddly enough all by itself. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get away from the fiddly stuff. Yeah. And that's something there, I'm running tail scale now. That's something Synology really nails is the the you set up like a username and then that's all you need to get back to your Synology at home and anywhere in the world. It's kind of nuts. Oh, well, a password too. Uh, yeah, you made that sound a little bit, <laughs> a little bit dicey. Too. Yeah, you get a you get a specific URL you can go to and then you can get into your Synology that you know you've set up your credentials. Uh, yeah. Let me back and, up. I remembered what all talk to that same URL, um, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it makes me a little queasy because I don't 100% understand how it works, and I feel like I should. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I'm, 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 uh, I'm logging into TailScale. Sorry, this is the problem with, with Synology is it's just real easy to install stuff and play around and sometimes succeed. Yeah. So um, accessing the Synology from your Mac versus the iPad, what um, – what additional? You mentioned earlier it, it, it's a bit of a headache with the trying to mirror the the Synology drive onto your Mac. Like, what um, are there things on the Mac that you can do that are impossible to do from iPad to interface with Synology, or what's that like? Well, as I said, I can't get Drive to do anything. So, I, yeah. I oddly didn't occur to me to have either of my iPads in front of me while I'm talking to you. So, uh, I'm looking at Synology Drive on my uh, on my uh, iPhone, and uh, I'm bringing it up. It'd like to connect to devices on my network. Well, that seems like a good idea. So, mm-hmm. it's using my that weird URL kind of thing, yeah. and I'm going to log in here. And uh, when this gets in, with any luck, if it's not still talking to my old Synology... Synology Drive Server is not installed or enabled on your Synology NAS. Okay, I'm I'm still yeah. halfway between Synologies, okay. so I don't have that working yet. But I haven't been able to figure out how to look at my files at all in there. Huh. That's why you're going to teach me yes, after I we will. get off, because <laughs> I'm missing some fundamental first step. Like I go and I say, okay, let me look at my folders, and it says, do you want to create a folder? No, I want to look at the folders the I have. It goes, yeah, and it says, okay, and <laughs> it just sits there. Yeah. I don't. There's no open the folders thing that I can find. Yeah. And the web interface does seem pretty good with the magic track pad, a keyboard and all that from the iPad. And then cool. the phone, it seems like a little bit less, less full featured there. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. 
I'd really like to be better at this. And, and I like learning from you about the things you can do on an iPad because I tend to, I tend to live primarily on my Mac with mm-hmm. my, my iPad is kind of a sidecar to that. Yeah. Not sidecar though. Yes. Don't get me. We can talk <laughs> about sidecar because I've got some issues with that, but I used to have a 16 inch MacBook Pro and it was basically a desktop because that thing was so heavy as, yeah. you know, it makes my iPad 12.9 inch iPad Pro feel like a feather. So I would leave it plugged in at my desk and then I would uh, VNC in using jump desktop mm-hmm. if I had to do something on my Mac. And now that I have a 14-inch MacBook Pro, I'm much more likely to just unplug it and take it downstairs. Yeah. I, I did have some fun last night, though. Uh, I can send you this screenshot. I had so much fun. I, so I, I put Ventura on my uh, Mac Mini, not yeah. on my production iPad mm-hmm. or MacBook Pro yet. So I've got Ventura running there. So I used Jump Desktop to VNC into my uh, Mac Mini. Yeah. I put the Mac Mini, I turned on Stage Manager, uh-huh. and then on the iPad, I turned on Stage Manager. <laughs> so I've got, I've got two, two rows of the piles down the left-hand side, and it's like, it's like looking into a mirrored universe. It's, oh, it's really, it's imagine. very funny. Make sure I remember to give you that yeah. photo because it's, it's hysterical. Amazing. I, I like to create chaos. I yeah. like to see, like I've always wondered, what if, I, what if I use screen sharing from the Mac Mini to get to my MacBook Pro when I did that. Yeah, and then I, three levels, right. We could, sure. we could, but I bet I could make a circle eventually. <laughs> yeah. You could, um, well on FaceTime, I think you can screen share like an iOS device even. So you could screen share, uh, like with jump desktop to the Mac FaceTime, your iPad and screen nice. share that. I knew you could do it with zoom. I didn't know you could do it with FaceTime. They added can it you? in the past year or so, I think. Okay. Yeah. I've not tried it yet, but it's there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, but let's take it a step further. Okay. Now here's what you do. On in accessibility on iOS 16, you can mirror your Apple Watch to your iPhone. And now you could mirror your iPhone. You could you could plug it in and use uh, QuickTime to bring up a video on it that was on the screen on the on the uh, <laughs> MacBook Pro that we were seeing through screen sharing onto the uh, Mac Mini over down to uh, jump desktop on my iPad. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the Apple Watch um, screen sharing thing is super awesome. Like before, like you can ha- you have to make screencasts on the Apple Watch without some with professional a setup, without a camera, and keep it keep it awake. And oh, I did, did, I did one. I, I've not watched this stuff in a bit. Has he done Apple Watch stuff in the past? Yeah, yeah, he has. And so he's got a, he's done some things to be able to keep the watch awake when it's not on a wrist yeah. and things. And, uh, but the lighting changes are a, a nightmare. Yeah. So Steve, Steve does a lot of video. And so he was using his, his big boy, uh, video camera pointing down at the Apple Watch while I'm also trying to record the screencast and trying to keep the lighting. And like I move my arm and now I'm blocking a little mm-hmm. bit of sun from the window and the color cast has completely changed. It looked like poop when we were done. It was yeah. horrible. But yeah, now, now that you can put it onto the, uh, iPhone, you can then mirror the iPhone. Yeah. Record or, the or iPhone even with QuickTime on the Mac. Record the iPhone screen with the built-in recording now. Yeah, 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 you can do that too. Right, right. Yesterday I was having uh, a problem. Speaking of being on the gray edge of DRM, 
I was listening to um, Hannah Waddingham, uh, the the woman who played Rebecca in uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. She, she did the the Fitness Plus Time to Walk, okay. and it was really inspirational. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing to listen okay. to. She starts talking about music, and and I'm not actually interested in that part, but her inspirational story of her life was really, really interesting. And I wanted a friend of mine to hear it, yeah. and she doesn't have Apple Fitness Plus. I've been trying to get her to get it, but she hasn't done it. So I thought, okay, well, let me try to pull that recording off. Yeah. How would you do that? So, the so only it's audio on the watch. output on Apple Watch is Bluetooth. So, right? <laughs> I was just imagining the days where I'd have a boom box next to the speaker on the TV and hit record. Um, yeah. Oh. And that is where I ended up. Well, but it's Bluetooth, but it won't go. It'll only go to headphones. Yeah. The air. Does, what's the air? It won't go to Bluetooth product? speakers. It doesn't go to Bluetooth speakers. Wait. And it doesn't do airplay. It does. Well, it does Bluetooth speakers. I could not get it to go to Bluetooth speakers. I could only get it to go to Bluetooth headphones. Interesting. Yeah, because I've definitely outputted Apple Watch to Bluetooth speakers before. So much, Actually, maybe you know, okay. Maybe it's because I was trying to go to a HomePod, yeah, which isn't it. traditional. Yeah. Air, so what which I did... That drives me insane that there's no AirPlay from an Apple Watch. That That's yeah. bonkers to me. Well, I think you're supposed to be exercising. <laughs> you're supposed to be walking around. We are completely missing the point of the story. Somebody yes. asked me why I did the same exercise twice because they saw me do it yesterday and they saw me do it again the next day. Yeah. So uh, what I ended up doing, somebody pointed out that you actually can uh, – what I tried to do was mirror the Apple Watch to the iPhone mm-hmm. using accessibility. And I was able to hit play and it was kind of choppy, but I could hear it Audio on the phone. coming through the AirPlay session with that. To the iPhone, yeah. Okay. And then I plugged the iPhone into QuickTime yeah. and then set QuickTime to record, yeah. but it didn't pick up the audio. Okay. So I figure they've done a DRM thing there. Yeah. So then somebody said, okay, well, you can actually play from the uh, Fitness Plus or from Fitness Plus on the watch or on the phone. You don't have to use the watch. So I started there and the only thing I could do was put it up against my HomePod speaker, which caused my HomePod speaker to pick it up. And then I set my iPad in front of it and I yeah. used Just Press Record to record the audio. Yeah. And it still stopped and started a couple of times, but I brought it into Fission on my Mac and edited it out and, yeah. and got it Yeah, to when there. I was a kid, I was, and still am into movie soundtracks, and back then, I'd use the boombox, put it up to the speakers for the end credits music, and I have a bunch of, uh, of tapes back from, from those days of doing that. Nice, nice. One of my earliest experiences with a true Star Trek nerd like nerd from the core was when I met a kid who was, I think he was in sixth grade and he had recorded onto cassette tapes, every episode of the original series. So this is when the original series had just finished pretty much when I was that young. And I remember my brother and I sitting in there in his uh, parents boat and us just sitting there listening to Star Trek on, on cassette tapes. That was some commitment back then. Yeah. There's some, because that had to have been been done like that. Right. And enjoy. Uh, Yeah. Well, I feel like we could talk for four or five more hours, but we yeah. probably shouldn't. Oh, should. yeah. anything, anything else on iPad or Synology worth touching on before we, we wrap it up? Well, the one thing I didn't bring up that I do use my iPad mini for is I use a, an application called Mimo Live to run my live show. Yeah. And this allows my, my husband to be my producer. So he's on a, on a, um, a Mac studio in his office. Mm-hmm. 
and he runs the software that'll do the video switching. So okay. it can be, we uh, usually have Discord up in a vertical column and then a video of me and a video of him on the screen. And then when he doesn't want to talk and I'm, re- I'm recording, he swaps it out for his picture for a video of my recording software, Hindenburg. So that switches around and that works great. But I also run it here, but I can't control that video switching or muting or anything from my Mac because it's all running on his. Yeah. But Mimo Live has an app called Mimo Remote and I can bring that up and now i can see video of him on that because i can't watch the live stream because it'd be out of sync and everything but i can see video of him i can mute him which is important because sometimes he forgets and he's he's typing away in discord and i can hear him while i'm trying to record (laughs) so i can mute him um i can make the show go live i can change it to i can change the three up and things like that so that is once a week i take it out of my drawer i turn it on Mm -hmm. Realize the battery has died in the previous week. It's brand new. Yeah. I mean, it's literally got like 48 cycles on it, maybe. Yeah. I plug it into USB-C, charge it up, and then I use it for the show. Then I turn it off, and I put it in my drawer, and the next week I open it up. Battery's <laughs> dead again, and I do it again. That's what my iPad mini does. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it is sad. I, if somebody can think of something I can yeah. use it for, I am all ears. You I mean, know, I've got an Apple it, pencil for it. it. I've got next to your Mac as an external display. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a 32-inch XDR and a 14-inch MacBook Pro open. I could definitely put it up over here, Yeah, but I don't know what I'd put on it. Oh, I wanted to complain about Sidecar. Yeah, Let me finish with that. So sometimes I like to just change my venue. I've been sitting at my desk too much. So I go downstairs and I sit outside in my backyard. I let the cats out, maybe have a gin and tonic while I'm doing some coding outside. It's lovely, but I want a second display. Mm Mm-hmm. I know I can set turn on Sidecar and use my my 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Right. Never ever 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 works over Wi-Fi. I've huh. got Wi-Fi on. I've got Bluetooth on. If I plug in a cable, it works. But that stupid iPad sucks the battery dry on my brand new yes. 14 inch MacBook yes, Pro. Would, yeah. I mean, sucks it dry. Yeah. And that that battery lasts forever. But it just uh-huh. if if it's got any juice in it, it's just going to suck it dry. Yeah. So I want to use it. With sidecar wirelessly, and it never, ever works for me. If it does, it works for a little while, and then it just goes, no, I'm tired. I don't want to anymore. Huh. That's, yeah. That's not as designed, I suspect. But I don't know why it happens. Yeah. Fascinating. (laughs) Okay. Well, I got got that off my chest. If somebody knows what I'm doing wrong, the fact that it works for a little while and then stops suggests I have everything turned on correctly. No no changes with Ventura? Uh, I haven't put Venture on my MacBook oh, Pro gotcha. yet. Okay. So we'll see. Yeah. Maybe iPadOS 16 solved all of it. Hey, maybe. Um, <laughs> iCloud shared photo library, is that something you're going to end up using, you think? It's it's very interesting to me. It's one feature. One feature is missing that I think will hold me back is I'm kind of an organization freak. Yep. I I make albums. I make folders by year, mm-hmm. folders by quarter, and then albums within those that are named. And the reason I use albums is because you can search by album name. Yeah. So we went to Houston for my grandson Parker's first birthday. I can search by Houston, by birthday, by Parker, and I can yeah. find that album of photos. From what I understand, and I don't know this for a fact, but from what I understand, the shared libraries, it's just a dump. You got no organization yeah, I think in there. Each person has their own albums, and you could put shared photos into those albums, but the albums themselves will be your own. So Steve, well, no, but no. Albums. If you move photos, if you move photos into the shared library, they are no longer on your on your devices in your normal library. They are they move. 
They do, but they're also accessible. So, so I'm testing this right. Well, now. they're accessible, but but they're not I don't see how the albums could still exist if your albums don't exist. If your albums don't move over to the library and the photos all move to the library, how could the albums exist and have photos in them on your local library? So I'm testing this real quick. And okay. I yeah, I, so I was able Hot to just add a shared uh, video to What do you mean by a shared video? So um, a video that's in the shared library. Okay, video so that's to, in the shared library. I was able to add that to an album that is on my personal um, my personal library. So I think the the thing that's not there is a single album on everybody's devices. So all the albums. I guess are, I don't care whether Steve sees a shared album or sees an album. Right. So you. So you're saying within the shared library. It's let's say there's 20 photos in there. I could take five of those photos and put them in an album that I named that was in the. It, it, from my perspective, it looks like the album is in the shared library, yes. but from Steve's perspective, it wouldn't exist. Exactly. So the albums oh. are your own, but the photos can, and that, and within an album, you can filter out that album to only show you stuff from your personal library or shared or both. Right. But um, yeah, the albums it seems don't sync across. Are, there's no shared. I think albums. that's a good decision, though. But yeah. right, because maybe Steve doesn't want that sh- that album exactly. name. Maybe he wants a different name. Yeah. And um, that's oh okay. Yeah, well, I heard the same. Uh, ATP John Syracuse. That was one of the yeah. things he complained yep, about. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then yeah, I just tested it now, and yeah, it totally works. And as far as third party apps go, it seems that they just see everything in shared and your personal. I was going to ask you that. What does Hash Photos do? It, everything's still there in Hash Photos. So it just looks like it it's one looks library? like it's all the same. Um, let me pull up the current uh, stuff here. Yeah, so all the photos are still there, and it basically doesn't know that they're shared or whatnot, um, which is interesting. And I, I'm curious if yeah. developers will, in the future, be able to interact with the shared element at all. Yeah, as big a fan as I am of uh, Hash Photos, I'm not a fan of their tech support. They came out with a uh, Mac version of the software that I wanted to be able to use, and it's missing a whole bunch of features. And I think it's just that checkbox that says, yeah, let them have it on the Mac too, but it doesn't work. There's a a bunch of functions that simply – the thing I was talking about where I can select a bunch of photos and then change them all to the same date, Mm -hmm. you can't do that. The buttons just aren't there. It's missing. And I wrote to them twice, and there was no answer. So I was kind of disappointed. So I don't know how active the developers are. They may be just – they don't care about the Mac. They just check the box. So that's a yay for iPad. (laughs) Yeah. And I I must say the iPad for for like photo stuff is – it's a lot of fun. Just like have it accessibly and I'll use it. It's a good kickback experience. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 And – I didn't even ask. Uh, do you edit photos much these days, or is it kind of just simple stuff um, with like your <laughs> that, dog Mac button and does stuff? It all depends on yeah. what it is. If I've been on a vacation, like we just went to Iceland, I did a lot of photo editing there and cropping and making sure and color cast correcting and things like yeah. that. Um, and triage, uh, my daily photos, there's just all kinds of garbage yeah. in there. You know, there's <laughs> pictures of my toe and, you know. Yeah. 11 pictures of my cat on my desk, you know, it, yeah. it, it screenshots. It's just full of garbage, yeah. but that's what I need the albums for because the albums are the real stuff that I care about. Yeah. Yeah. My pets, uh, my pets uh, take over a lot of my albums. <laughs> <or> my, um, <laughs> I am a big fan of uh touch retouch. Mm-hmm. 
It's a third-party app that allows you to um, basically take out stupid stuff. Like I took a really cool picture of some inflated ghost uh, with the sun behind it. it. looked really cool, but yeah. you could see power lines in the background. And I brought it into touch, retouch, and with my finger, just on my iPhone as I was on my walk, I was just <laughs> going, okay, get rid of that line, that line, that line. It looks really good. And then it saves back in your library. That's amazing. So I do a little yeah, bit of that. Not, I'm not a huge photo editor, though. It's wild. Uh, and that, I discovered the other day cinematic mode works with pets. I don't know if that's new. Oh, so that that's fun. fun. Uh, I, I'm new. I didn't. Now I I'm didn't gonna have videos of my cat on my desk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had a uh, 12 and then jumped up to 14. So Cinemax new for me. And it's like this is actually kind of nice now. I don't know if it was worse than the 13, but um, it seems well done. I didn't use it at all. Uh, I experimented with it, with it when it first came out, and then when we went to visit my son in Houston, he used it in a video of the kids playing outside, and it was amazing. Yeah. It was so moving how the fo- the video came out compared to had it not been cinematic yeah. mode where it's changing focus and he uses a lot where he's tapping on one kid and yeah. then on the other kid as he as he was sliding it around it mm-hmm. was i think maybe he's got a talent i don't have to yeah. the, the tracking is cool <laughs> where it has like boxes over and i noticed oh animals are showing up in there that's 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 nice <laughs> <laughs> well um I think we've gone on long enough there. We could chat for many more hours. Um, I think we I could. I don't keep any longer. Maybe you could have me back someday. This was a absolutely. lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. This was fun. Um, where can people find your awesome podcast? The best place to go is podfeet.com, P-O-D-F-E-E-T. And uh, my uh, my husband says I have feet like pods. Okay. I'm really good at naming things for SEO, you know, search <laughs> engine. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, but look quarter. for the... Yeah, yeah, it's and it's very few characters to type, so it's yep. real easy. But you can look in your podcatcher of choice for Nosilicast, which is another stupidly named thing. That's my name spelled backwards. I love it. Two L's. Yeah, <laughs> it's real dopey. Or chit chat across the pond. But uh, they're both they're all great shows. They're amazing. You should absolutely subscribe and go read. If you don't like to necessarily listen as much as I want to talk, every single thing I talk about on the Nosilicast is a separate blog post. So you can reference back to the blog post. You can see pictures of what I'm talking about. So there's, uh, you can read or listen whichever one you want. Very cool. Well, thank you, Allison, for your time today. It's been great catching up and, and learning all about what you do on iPad and the Synology. This was really a good time. I'm glad you reached out, Tim. Well, that has been a discussion with Allison. My thanks to her for her time recording, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. Check out podfeet.com to find her shows. You can also support the podcast over at patreon.com slash epicpros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.